horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and welcome back to our post Belmont edition of Winning Ponies. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. A big week in racing. A little bit of shakeup, maybe. Not really. They're, they're talking about some bogus controversy and the triple crown victory by Justify. And I say justifiably so. Of course, uh, the big hubbub is about the running of the race. If uh, some horses weren't persevered with, and if another horse was used as a blocker for Justify, I've watched the race over and over again. And while I think Florent did a Florent Giroux uh, aboard Longshot Restoring Hope, did a little bit of race riding, keeping Bravazo kind of stuck down along the rail. He did look over his right shoulder a lot, I think, just to see when company was coming. When it did come with about a quarter mile left to run he pretty much packed his bags and dropped to the back uh and in, in that matter so did uh, so did uh, bravazo who ended up uh running sixth in the race restoring hope which florent aboard finished eighth beating blended citizen and noble indy that uh had javier castellano aboard now i know uh the Repoli stable was hoping that uh, Noble Indy would go to the front. He didn't quite do that in the Kentucky Derby and wasn't able to do that uh, in the Belmont. Ran fourth or fifth, then ended up eighth, ninth, and faded to last after brushing with the gate at the wire. And I think that's what Javier Castellano said was, uh, you know, he kind of, was alarmed there at the beginning when the horse did brush into the gate and took a few strides getting him uh, straightened away and himself straightened away and by that time you know uh, the leaders had already you know pretty much sprinted to the front that being restoring hope and and justify so i thought i'd bring in the guy that wrote the story though many stories were written but the one i saw was in the new york post his name is ton Padula. And Tom has been the president of the National Turf Writers Association. Uh, he's been in pretty much every major publication, the New York Times, the LA Times, Associated Press, the Boston Herald. Um, you know, he even started out writing for a small paper in the Bronx where he grew up. So uh, he, he's been there for uh, pretty much uh, every Triple Crown since, I believe, 1998, and he's also the lead writer for America's Best Racing, so you, if you follow racing online, you've probably read some of Tom's uh, stories, but he's uh, was in uh, contact uh, with uh, Mr. Repolet and uh, got, a, I think, a text at like midnight that night to want to talk about the race, so it'll be interesting to get his insights and also just his feelings for uh, the Belmont, being a New York guy, maybe what were some of the best Belmonts uh, he had ever seen. And uh, we're pretty much going to do the same thing, only do some handicapping the uh, card at Churchill Downs with my friend Rich Ng, 
Of course, uh, Rich has been on the show many times, uh, lives out in Las Vegas. He's the author of Handicapping for Dummies, uh, worked for a long time with the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I believe still does some work with the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to go to Churchill Downs, and uh, a lot happening there on the 16th, Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a uh, later card, and uh, none other than Triple Crown winner Justify is going to be paraded uh, in between the races, and then he'll be in the paddock while they run one of the races. Uh, Rich and I are going to look at the Wise Dan, mile the 16th on the turf. That's a grade two, worth $200,000. And then there's the Fleur de Lis. It's that time of year, Breeders' Cup. Win and you're in, and the Fleur de Lis is this one for the ladies, a grade two going a mile and an eighth. So you got to have some stamina in there. It'll be interesting to see who uh, Rich likes in here. There's a lot of speed in there. I wonder who's going to soften who up. And then, of course, the legendary Stephen Foster handicap, the richest race of this meet, a half a million dollar up for grabs in that grade one and an interesting group coming together some veterans some horses for course and the now horse from the chad brown barn backyard heaven so uh those are our guests those are the races we're going to look at and i'm very much looking forward to speaking with both tom and rich well in in the belmont stakes it of course was justify uh pretty much uh didn't get the lead immediately, but it's the, it was amazing how Mike Smith shot him out of there and went to the lead. I was really scared in the beginning. He looked like he was riding him in a six for a long race, but he just wanted to make sure he got far enough off the rail and nobody, you know, lapped over on him. He certainly didn't get left, uh, but then all of a sudden Smith did a great job. Uh, went from a 23.37 to a 48.11, one thirteen and one for the six furlongs the mile and 138 and one and the final time was 228.18 so uh just an amazing race uh like i said that they came to him a little bit on the turn and it was the mystery horse gronkowski from europe the horse that of course i had third and fourth in all my superfectas and my trifectas so by gronkowski besting hofberg who was my sole pick for possible upset of justify uh i lost numerous pick threes and the superfecta but congratulations uh, to his connections i believe that uh, we may see more of him in north america and his namesake gronkowski from the patriots was on hand for the belmont and from everything i've seen in the videos looked like he was having a grand old time hoffberg we'll see where he goes we know he likes to go long uh it'll be interesting to see where billy mott sends him he is now classic placed uh, but he's he's got to find the right spot for him. I think the longer they go, the better it is. But where that will be, I don't know. And following that was uh, Vino Rosso, Repoli's other horse with Johnny V up. Then it was tenfold, free drop Billy, 
Restoring Hope, Blended Citizen, and Noble Indie. So I want to thank everybody that uh, partook in our Winning Ponies contest. Uh, we did get a lot of players. They even got a nice uh, email from the winner of that contest, uh, you know, thanking me. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, some of our handicappers that we had on, Matt Bernier and uh, Bob Railbird Roberts, uh, helped him out. So uh, anyhow, uh, thanks for joining the contest. Uh Tom Padula, he's going to go over some of his takeaways from the Belmont Stakes. Let me uh, hit some of the news real quick and try to get to some of the big results. That was just an amazing card at Belmont. So, again, I've already told you that uh, Justify is going to be Saturday night's post-parade. Um the card starts at 6, so stay tuned. Uh, NBCSN is going to broadcast live action from Churchill Downs Saturday night. Now, coming up this week, a very different week because there's going to be a lot of race action all week long. You've got to get up early in the morning because we're going to Royal Ascot. That's right, and uh, quite a few American-based horses, and uh, we're going to see that topping the list uh, on Tuesday, Yoshida. The Queen Anne Stakes is a grade one, so Bill Mott is over there. Uh, Yoshida, I know, uh, garnered the uh, leading uh, buyer figure in the United States uh, so far this year. So uh, we'll see how he does over there. Then we've got the Coventry Stakes. Wes Ward will be there. Thinking about entering Moonshine Romance, but says he might be looking at some other races. So we'll find out if he ends up in the Coventry or not. And then later in that car is the King Stand Stakes. That's a grade one. And who's there? From the Wesley Ward Barn, Lady Aurulia. She's four years old now. I believe she's been winning over there for the last two seasons and is the current crown holder in the King's Stand Stakes, though she is not favored. Now, uh, the favorite is going to be uh, Batash. And uh, also in there is uh, Tim Gleishaw, who's been on the show. He's got the Indiana-bred six-year-old Buchero. So we'll be rooting for Lady Aurillo and Buchero in that race. Then in the Queen Mary Stakes, it looks like Ward's going to start Master Marion in the Royal Hunt Cup in the Queen Mary. Uh, we're looking at a two-year-old filly by the name of Chelsea Cloister. She broke her maiden huge at Keeneland. Eight links, only going four and a half furlongs. And then in the Prince of Wales stakes, well, uh, you probably heard the name Hawk Bill. Uh, he's going to be in there, uh, owned by Godolphin, trained by Charles Appleby. He's a half-brother to uh, a Free Drop Billy, uh, who... Uh, ran in the Triple Crown races. Also, Ward's going to have, uh, in the Thursday card, Shang, 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 Philly against the Colts in a five-furlong Norfolk Stakes, a race he's won in the past. And on Friday, another two-year-old Philly named Stillwater Cove in the Albany Stakes at six furlongs. So a lot of these races are going to be covered on NBC Sports. They're going to have extensive Royal Ascot coverage. So uh, uh, tune in uh, because... They're going to have on Saturday, the 23rd, it's going to be broadcasting on NBC at 9 in the morning. Now, it's all going to start on Tuesday on NBCSN, so check for them. But they are going to cover pretty much Royal Ascot every day over there. Uh, we're talking it all starts at 8.30 in the morning every day on NBCSN and the Royal Ascot again is going to be on the regular NBC on Saturday. But you're going to be having your uh, your uh, tea and scones uh, watching it early in the morning. Now, you can bet on it. That's right. 
you can bet on sports in New Jersey. About a thousand fans showed up for sports betting at Mammoth. Governor Phil Murphy made the first bet uh, $20 on Germany to capture the World Cup and $20 future bet on the New Jersey Devils to win the Stanley Cup. So it has happened, and it has happened fast. And it's going to be coming to probably a racetrack near you sometime in the future. Don't forget, all that racing, pull down the easy win forms, add a good week all over the place. Mountaineer, two big strikes, a $1 pick five that paid $4,683.30, and a $1 super box that paid $3,328. We cover the bigger tracks too. Santa Anita on the 10th, a $1 super high five paid $4,229. Go to winningponies.com, pull down your easy win forms, and always tune into the show and listen to yours truly, and our guest handicappers and our other guests from around the world. And with us shortly now, again, a guy I've been wanting to get on the show for quite some time, Tom Padula, who I told you has written for pretty every major publication in the U.S. Uh, we're going to talk about Belmont, and I also want to find out about his background. He is very well-versed in the sport of Kings, being a native of the Bronx, interested in hearing his early going to the races stories. So that's the national wrap up. Some of the views on the Belmont stakes and some of the top stakes at Belmont. Couldn't get to them all. Thanks for tuning into Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Tom Padula. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a uh, writer of renown, 
Tom Padula. You've probably read him somewhere along the ways because, as I told you earlier on the show when I read his resume, he's written for pretty much every major publication uh, in, in the country. And uh, now he's the, the lead writer for America's Best Racing. And uh, he also obviously did some work for the New York Post because that's where I saw his name last in publication. And uh, it was an interesting article uh, about the Belmont Stakes. We're going to get to that later. But right now, Tom Padula, welcome to Winning ponies well thanks for having me appreciate it i appreciate you taking a little uh, break on your vacation to be with us well i've got to guess grown growing up in the bronx you've probably got some pretty good racing stories but give me the early ones your first introduction to racing and i'm gonna guess it was with a family member that liked to go to the races <laughs> well it, it's close it was actually uh my best friend uh, from high school, we're still best friends, a fellow named Bobby Hawk. Uh, we went to Fordham Prep in the Bronx. He told me, hey, you got to come to the races with me. Uh, we'd go out there, and the uh, first race, I bet, horse named Sir Alfred. And uh, Sir Alfred wins, and I'm very excited. And uh, I said, let me go cash the ticket. And he says, well, well, not yet, not yet. I said, what do you mean, not yet? He said, well, there could be a problem. And I said, what do you mean there could be a problem? He says, well, it was a claim of foul. And then he explains <laughs> to me what all of that means. And uh, sure enough, uh, my introduction to racing was my winner was a non-winner. Uh, he got DQ, disqualified. And uh, that was my introduction to racing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, needless to say, I've actually been grateful to Bob through all these years. Uh, he and I often pick major races for America's Best Racing, and we've just had a blast with it. Uh, it's probably been a costly uh, uh, relationship going to the track all these years, but but again, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's been a blast. That That's great. I love it. Uh, now, what were your primary haunts as a young man as far as racing was concerned? Well, you know, uh, living in New York, uh, we, went, we, we loved going to Belmont Park. Uh, Bob introduced me to Saratoga, and I was like, this is heaven. Uh, not only the track, but the town. And, you know, we continue to just love it to this day. Um, we uh, we work together a good part of the meet. And uh, as I say, it's, it goes beyond the track. It's, it's just a beautiful area. Uh, listeners, if you can get there, you really owe it to yourself to get there. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, we did go to Aqueduct. I'm not going to say Aqueduct is a wonderful, wonderful experience. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a place to bet. Uh, it's never been a favorite of mine. Uh, the only person I know who loves Aqueduct is Michael Poli, the, uh, the, the horse owner. Real nice guy. He, he grew up in Queens. Uh, so we talk New York racing a lot. But, uh, so I was not a fan of Aqueduct, but Delmont is gorgeous. And then we even would take in harness racing. I mean, if we had a good day with the thoroughbreds, uh, right. Roosevelt Raceway was in action then. And we'd say, you know what, we're going to double up and we'd go to Roosevelt for the evening. So, uh, And actually, we would also do that double in Saratoga because uh, they do have a harness track as well uh, that operates in the summer. So <laughs> kind of if you could, if it moved, we might want to make a bet on it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 
I love it. You remind me a lot of my brother, Bob. Uh, he started as a white cap up at Saratoga. When I was a little kid, I'd go up and uh, run his bets for him. I'd duck under the turnstile and go in. And he'd take his hat off, <laughs> you know, right. tell me who he liked. And I'd go back, and our neighbor lady, uh, Mrs. Sanchirico, uh, her son, Johnny, went up with Bob every day. He worked. He worked there, too. And uh, it was uh, just a great upbringing as a kid, you know, walking back to the jocks room with Manny Yakaza and Bill Shoemaker yeah. and, uh, you know, guys like that. Because it was so accessible back then. Um, I don't know right. how much it's changed over the years because for all these years, I've had a job at a racetrack while Saratoga was running. This is going to be the first year I'm going to be available. And it is on my list of things to do. I've always told people, oh, if you yeah. haven't been there, just like if you haven't been to Keeneland, you need to go to Keeneland. Um, I don't know if you have Absolutely. or not. Um, yes, yeah, no question. And I'll say this for families who might consider going, the access remains wonderful. Uh, kids go up to jockeys. They're happy to sign autographs. They'll usually give children uh, their goggles. Uh, there's a backyard area where you can uh, get a picnic table and, you know, just camp out for the day. It's, it's one of the few sports events in New York now where you don't have to spend a fortune to have a great time. You're wow. allowed to bring in your own food and beverage. It's, 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 you know, it really is like going back in time, and, and it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it. I'm getting goosebumps. You reminded me so much of my childhood. We're Tom Padula we're talking to. And, Tom, I'm pretty sure you told me when we talked earlier in the week that uh, you've covered every Triple Crown since 1998. Yes, proud to say that. It's, it's a streak I am proud of, yep. Where does Justify's Triple Crown win line up with the other ones you've seen? Or other Belmonts uh, that you've didn't, seen? It didn't leave me with a great feeling. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, American Pharaoh left me with a great feeling. Maybe because, you know, you, you cover enough misses and you start to wonder, will this ever happen again? And so when he did it, and he did it with such an exclamation point, I mean, a dominant performance. It was beautiful to watch. Um, and really, the whole way around, you said, man, nobody's getting to American Pharaoh. Um, the Justify race, as it was unfolding, frankly, did bother me a little bit. I'm not going to be the one to make any accusations, but it did bother me because I had interviewed Mike Rapoli at the start of the week. As I say, I do feel I know him well. And the one thing, and he didn't just tell me, he told every reporter who asked, Noble Indy's going for the lead. And I'm thinking, gee, you know, Noble Indy's not going for the lead. And then I did see the way um, uh, Restoring Hope was being ridden. It looked to me like Florence Giroux was riding to get a position, I wasn't so sure he was riding to win. And just the way it unfolded really bothered me. Uh, and if you think about it, only one horse made a serious run at Justify, and that was Vino Rosso. And John Velasquez uh, said, you know, I, I made a premature move because no one else was going at Justify. I felt I had no choice. Um, that certainly was not the way he wanted to run. And Justify might have been powerful enough to withstand any challenge whatsoever. I kind of suspect he was that strong a horse. But still, uh, to see Noble Indy not attack him early uh, did really bother me. Because, again, I was assured that was the plan. 
and Mike Rapoli, when I interviewed him post-race uh, the day following the Belmont, was adamant, yes, those were the instructions that Javier Castellano was given, that he not only gave the instruction that Todd Fletcher had, and it had been given on more than one occasion. Javier had been told that the entire week because they did think that that would give Vino Rosso uh, the best possible opportunity to win, and he was their better hope than Noble Indy, and they certainly knew that. They had been pointing Vino Rosso for the Belmont since last November. That's that's how, how seriously they had targeted the Belmont with that horse. Well, Tom Padula, you're just, I'm going to go back and read the uh, the chart because the New York guys are some of the best in the business. And it, and it's, it does say, and again, uh, Noble Indy ended up finishing dead last, that Noble Indy, out with his initial step, brushed the right side of the starting gate, accelerated upon recovery, and took up a position in mid-pack, went about four wide around the clubhouse bend, continued his pursuit slightly closer to the rail after entering the backstretch, arrived at the top of the lane, appearing to have little left, and backed away. So, uh, you know, that's what the chart callers say. They don't they, they don't say yeah. Javier didn't try. <laughs> uh, they they well, do say I mean, he accelerated. Believe me, I, I respect Javier Castellano. Um, I, I, just, I, I just found found it puzzling that he would not have, you know, followed the instructions. Um, Mike Rapoli said, well, he called, he, he said, he told Rapoli, he called an audible, and uh, Rapoli's quote is, I'm baffled by the audible. And I guess I'm baffled by it, too. Um, I know, I, I because, think he indicated that Javier won't be riding any of his horses in the near future. Yeah, I've kind of heard that, yes. Yeah, I mean, um, again, I have all the respect of the world for Javier Castellano. I think that for your listeners, it does need to be pointed out that Windstar Farm owns part of Justify and Windstar Farm owns part of Noble Indy. And I think, unfortunately, when you have situations like this, it can raise some doubt. And I guess all I'm saying is it raised some doubt with me. It bothered me. And just to remind people, he was the winner of the Louisiana Derby. Of course, in the 19-horse uh, Kentucky Derby, he didn't get the lead either that uh, day. But uh, they say that Florian Giroux took a snug hold of him that day. Uh, at the start, he ended up finishing 17th in, in the Kentucky Derby. Now, to stay on topic, but to switch By to the way, part. A, just to point out, on a, on a sloppy surface, John. Good point. Good point, Tom. Um, but still... Don't you think that Justify is the cream of the crop of the three-year-olds? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. As I say, I, I, uh, I think most likely he was going to withstand any threat. Um, but I would have liked to have seen some horse uh, go after him early. And again, I just fully expected that Noble Indy would be that horse. Um, and in you know, in fairness, there there wasn't a lot of early speed in this race, you know. So that was certainly a factor. But I mean, um, you know, yeah, I guess it sounds like I'm diminishing the horse. He, you know, I mean, Baffert aptly describes him as a superior horse. He certainly is that. 
Well, we'll find out. It's it's very interesting. I mean, he's pretty much been kept in training. I know he went uh, he went on track, uh, I believe, today uh, down at Churchill. You know, he's going to post parade on Saturday. Then on Sunday, I believe, he's shipping to Santa Anita. Have you heard anything about his uh, continued schedule? I kind of thought that they might do the California Chrome thing and bring him to Windstar, let him have a month or two off, and then bring him back and get ready for the Classic. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bassett can be somewhat unpredictable. Um, you know, certainly, um, you know, when he said he was going to train Farrow uh, up to the Classic, it seemed like an awfully long time to do that. You know, in other words, gee, there's no prep for the Classic. But, I mean, obviously, whatever Baffert decides, he, he is beyond question. I mean, talk about a superb trainer, obviously. If he's not the best that ever lived, he certainly ranks right there in, in the top handful, without a doubt. And before he retires, and now, the stats bear that out. But his stats are only going to get better. You know, he's only 65, and uh, uh, look at Lucas. He's in his early 80s and is still winning major races. Well, uh, Tom Padula, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you join us here on Winning Ponies. Um, I, I do hope we can kind of uh, put you in the loop of some regulars that we call, because I know you're going to be covering most of the major races uh, throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, God willing, I look forward to it, that's for sure. So thank you for having me, and and, uh, please do call me again. Thank you. All right, we've been talking to the top journalist, Tom Padula. Going to take a quick break, and back with my, well, I can't say my favorite, I get in big trouble. Well, one of my favorite guests, Rich Ng, he's out there in Las Vegas. Not the only place that has sports betting anymore. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, a man that is no stranger to these airwaves, a good friend, a respected writer, uh, still living out in Vegas, uh, covers uh, the horse racing industry, uh, and, and of course, uh, a veteran writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, I believe might still be doing some work for my friends at the Daily Racing Forum, and is the author of Handicapping for Dummies. Rich Eng, how are you, my friend? Hey, real good, John. Uh, always a pleasure to come on with you, and uh, I got a tough act to follow. You had Tom Padula on for me, huh? so <laughs> let's see where we can go. Uh, you'll do just fine. I, I know that you've crossed paths with Tom in the past. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to hit the cough button there real quick. Uh, Anyhow, how have you been? What's going on? And I guess Vegas isn't the only place you can bet on sports anymore as of this uh, afternoon in Jersey. Yeah, that's actually been a topic that uh, I've had a lot of people uh, try to get a hold of me, whether it's uh, through emails or phone calls or text messages. But, you know, the sports betting is such a huge topic right now. Uh, The issue uh, came before when the Supreme Court finally ruled on the case that uh, the state of New Jersey had brought up to try to overturn the uh, legislation called PAPSA, and uh, that was a federal law that basically prevented uh, wagering on sports in uh, all states, but like Nevada, there might have been a couple others that were grandfathered in, but Nevada was the key state, and New Jersey had been fighting the fight for, God, it must be six, seven, eight years. I know Governor Christie got it started, and then the Governor Murphy took the baton and got it finished, and lo and behold, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of uh, the state of New Jersey, and they did all the dirty work for the other states, John, and now, you know, the other states are going to jump in one by one. I guess uh, Delaware got started last week, New Jersey got started today, and one by one, the dominoes are going to fall as the as each state uh, accepts uh, legalized sports betting, and, you know, we do it pretty well out here in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, and the state of Nevada, so... I think there's a lot of expertise that's going to come from this direction. Hey, absolutely. And there'll probably be a lot of job openings for guys that are working at some of the casinos uh, because they do do a good job. Some of my best afternoons were, uh, I won't name any specific casino, but uh, out in Vegas with sports betting and, you know, football games going on. And you've got groups of people for one team over here and groups of people and it's always been in a, a good kind of camaraderie way where you know no fists are flying but people are jabbing at each other about who's scoring what and quite frankly in the back of everybody's mind is I really don't care who wins as long as it's by three and a half <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean you're rooting for a side and you know if you can cover the bed at the same time even better but uh, you made a good point that the People that work in the industry here in Nevada, you would think that uh, if there's headhunters, recruiters for these different states, that they would want to hire some of the people from here because the expertise, the knowledge of the systems, 
the knowledge of basically the the entire spectrum of uh, sports betting, which is a lot different than you know anything else that people, even if they've been in the uh, let's say the horse racing business, it's a whole different ball game to be in the sports betting business. Well, it it, it is because you've got to be really sharp and on top of your game because you know one guy making a huge bet. That's going to raise some flags, and you got to be there immediately and go, "Hey guys, we got to slide this line. You know, we stand to lose thousands." Um, and there's got to be some key people in play that make that decision at every single casino. And now, you know, it's not like the odds in New Jersey are just going to piggyback a certain casino in Vegas, right? I mean, it's going to be, somebody's going to have to be there on the clock going, whoa, we just got offset on this team. Let's change the line a little bit and make it more, you know, palatable for somebody to start evening out the the, uh, the pool. Yeah, what you paint is a picture that's absolutely true and happens every day out here in a sports book in uh, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, Reno, Tahoe. And, you know, uh, many issues actually come into play. You talk about someone taking a large bet. Well, the thing is, you know, when people create point spreads, uh, in theoretically what they're trying to do, a good point spread will get equal action on both sides. You know, team A and team B, B would basically get the same amount of money. And then the book has no liability because they will accept the VIG and they'll pay the winners and take the money from the losers. So, you know, that, that's the optimum situation. But when people are betting on one side, say, uh, say if the Dallas Cowboys are playing the New York Jets and everybody likes Dallas, well, all the bets are going to be coming in on Dallas and some of them are going to be large. But, you know, the actual bookmaker may have to put a limit uh, or cut the size of the wager down because if they get overloaded on one side, you know, you talked about moving the line. Well, in theory, you, you try to move the line but you can't move it too much because, you know, say, for example, if uh, that Jets-Dallas game, is, the line opened up at 7. Well, if all the money pours in on Dallas, you might move it to 7.5, maybe move it to 8. But you can't move it a whole lot more because you create what they call in the business a middle. So, you know, say, you know, say if somebody didn't know what they were doing and all of a sudden made the line 10, well, then you create a middle of the numbers 8 and 9, and then the numbers 7 and 10 would be a push. And lo and behold, if the game ended up being like 24-17, you would actually have to cash almost every ticket, which would be a huge loss for the book. So it's not like paramutual betting, where if you take the action, uh, there's a takeout, and it's almost impossible to lose. And when you're booking bets, you can lose money. And it does happen on individual events sometimes. So uh, you've got to be real sharp about what you're doing when you're operating a, a sports book. You do. And I mean, you know, putting the spotlight on that position, Rich, I mean, who's going to be that guy at a track in Pennsylvania that hasn't started yet? You know, who's going to be that guy? Well, it'll probably never come to Ohio and Kentucky, but (laughs) who's who's never say never. (laughs) Well, no, it will. But, you know, 20, you know, just like, uh, you know, simulcast wagering, it'll come. But 15 years after everybody else had it. but you know what I mean? Who is that guy? There's no one person, right? There's no, as you said, it's not oh, paramutual. Oh. There's got to be somebody at that facility that's moving the line, right? Yeah, someone has to be calling the shots. Now, I, I know, uh, say with Monmouth Park, uh, they've contracted with William Hill, which is a, a British-based company, but they have a foothold out here in Nevada. Uh, 
There's a, a company called CG Technologies, which is also making inroads. I uh, saw so where Patty Power is coming over from England. Uh, you know, some of these big companies are, are trying to, to divvy up the landscape, so to speak. And, you know, we've got expert uh, business people out here at MGM Resorts, at Station Casinos, Board Gaming, stuff like that. I think at some point you'll start seeing their names popping up from state to state. But, you know, they have to have somebody who's in charge, who knows what they're doing. That's why we talk, you know, about maybe hiring personnel from Las Vegas that, you know, has, has seen what the business model is like and know what to do in these scenarios. But someone has to call a shot because, say, if, say if uh, somebody wants to bet $100,000 on the Dallas Cowboys, and that's just going to obliterate your book to the point where you, you've got a uh, an untenable position and you don't want to be in that position, well, someone's got to call a shot to say, well, you know, tell the better, we'll take 20000 but we can't take 100 Or maybe we'll slide the point a, a half a point after we take that bet. You know, something like that. There's all kinds of decisions that have to be made. So you've got to have a real sharp uh, executive at the top uh, weighing these things out when the questions come in. That, it, it's very interesting, Rich. You know, I, I hadn't given it much thought before our conversation like you know every one of these facilities is going to have to have a point man and even at that the guy can't work 24 hours a day so there's got to be one or two other guys in the same position rich i'm not sure if i lost you or not I'll see what my producer says, and he says we lost him. Well, anyhow, I'm sure we will get Rich back. Uh, he probably just ran into a different part of the room. But, again, uh, when Rich does come back, uh, we're going to uh, go to Churchill Downs on Saturday. Again, the, uh, the exact time I did not have, and they did not put out in their first press release of when Justify is going to be there. Should you be in the central Kentucky area, uh, you'll be able to go over and get up close and personal and take photos of uh, Justify on Saturday evening. Again, the card starts late. A slew of stakes races. Um, the three we're going to cover are the Grade 2 Wise Dan, the Grade 2 Fleur de Lee, and the Stephen Foster, the richest race of the meet there at Churchill Downs. So uh, we're going to go to commercial early, and we come back, fingers crossed, I've got Rich Eng with us. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, Rich Ng out there in Las Vegas. That was a great conversation in the first part of this interview because there are so many factors to think about in sports betting uh, coming to, to new states and probably to most racetracks sooner or later. So it will be interesting to see how the sport expands. But one sport that will always be run in Kentucky is horse racing. Saturday night, a big one. I already mentioned it. Justify is going to be at Churchill Downs. And so are a lot of betters for some really big races. And uh, I, I'd say put a ring around Axeman in the Matt Wynn. We're not going to handicap that race. But I'm just telling you right now, it's a famous quote from my friend Kevin Gomer. Put a ring around Axeman because he was so dominant on the Preakness card that uh, – Baffert was scratching his head saying, you know, I probably should have put him in the race. But on the other hand, who knows? He might have been able to beat Justify that day. He was awesome. Did you get to see that race, Rich? Oh, I I absolutely got to see that race, and he was dominant. But uh, I tell you what, I'm going to throw out a horse that if people uh, maybe want to use an exacta box, because uh, uh, I think a horse called Combatant, who uh, was in the Kentucky Derby and, quite frankly, uh, ran terrible, Whether don't know whether he hated the racetrack or whatever, but if you can draw a line through that, there's a lot of people who like this horse during the spring, and Axeman will be in front, Combatant will be in the back, and uh, maybe they'll meet at the wire. Who, who knows? But the odds on the horse are going to be a lot different. Axeman will be a huge favorite. Combatant should be in the 4-5-1 to five to one range, but he'll be running late. All right. Well, I appreciate that exact the pick. Well, let, let's start off with the wise, Dan. Uh, just so you know, the weather report's pretty dry in this neck of the woods. So I expect these races to be run on a, on a firm turf course. Uh, this one going a mile on the 16th, $200,000. It's a it's a grade two. And in, in all three races that we're going to just kind of talk about, um, really no big standout, but some interesting angles. In here, Rich, uh, Diversadero, I made a call to a friend today who's good friends with Buff Bradley, and I can't figure out why they switched trainers. I just thought when the horse went to Monmouth, maybe they switched trainers, 
you know, how they do that a lot. And then the horse comes back to the, you know, dance with the one in the brung. I mean, Buff Bradley went over a million dollars with this horse, but it's racing under the name of a Kelly Rubley. Now, all that aside, uh, Diversadero loves Churchill has started on the turf three times, has three wins, has won over 200000 on the turf there. Now, next to him is kind of a mystery horse, Shiny Copper. As you know, uh, for many years he was used as the rabbit for Big Blue Kitten, and then he finally got to be out on his own and ended up winning graded stakes races, just missed in the Barbados Gold Cup to another stable mate of Mike Baker's, uh, Sir Dudley Diggs. And then threw in a huge uh, clunker in the Turf Classic where he just, you know, set the pace and then stopped. So you get Shiny Copper, you just, he's hard to figure out. He's not one-dimensional. Then you go on to Mr. Misunderstood, another horse for course, two starts at Churchill on the turf, two wins, has never been beaten at a mile and a 16th. He's three for three. Uh, Florent Giroux, who's ridden him the last three times, will be back up. Uh, and uh, so, you know, th- those are the interesting horses in the mix. You've also, a lot of these turf horses, they like to come from out of it. you got Mr. Cub in here from Ian Wilkes Barn. Just put in a huge effort in uh, an ungraded stake at Churchill going a mile. Uh, has one at the distance, and that's Mr. Cub. Uh, Rich, uh, anybody float to the top here? I guess I left off Inspector Lindley. Uh, uh, Jose and Irad Ortiz are both going to have good mounts at Churchill this week. Well, I, I think that uh, you know the likely favorite is going to be uh, the horse World Approval, who uh, had a uh, pretty extensive winning streak snapped in the Kilroy Mile at the Santa Anita. But for some reason, when he shipped out, uh, he, he had won uh, six of his last uh, seven starts and a bunch of grade ones. He won the Breeders' Cup Mile uh, at Del Mar, so he had already shipped to California. But he, he ran really flat in the uh, Kilrow, and you could almost see it from the start. He, he just looked like a horse who didn't have energy. Hasn't started since then. Mark Cassie, obviously a top-of-the-line trainer, and uh, shows up in this spot. So uh, if this horse runs... The way he has been running, you can draw a line through the Kilroe. This is an awful tough horse to, to try and beat. Uh, the horse you uh, mentioned, Inspector Lindley, was kind of interesting to me because you know Shug McGee, he is you know, one of the great trainers, and uh, he doesn't ship out of town a whole lot. But he sent this horse to Keeneland a few times to uh, take a few shots, including the uh, Grade One Makers Mile last spring. But for him to show up with this horse and get Jose Ortiz to ride, I think this is a dangerous price horse in uh, Inspector Lindley. So uh, this horse, uh, I, I would throw into all my numbers, but uh, World Approval is probably the horse to beat in my, my mind. Well, if memory serves me well, World Approval was supposed to run at Pimlico on the grass, and he scra- he was actually had shipped there and was going to run, but when it came up so crappy with the weather, uh, they decided to uh, take him out, and when they did, that race just fell apart. I mean, half the field had already scratched and it was kind of like well without him in there it was no big deal and i believe it was a graded stakes race that they took off the turf yeah well i know uh, pimlico during the preakness week it just rained and rained and rained and it was just an absolute bog on the turf course some of the slowest fractional times that you're ever going to see in north american racing all right well let's move on a mile and an eighth so you're going to ask a lot of these uh um fillies and mares uh, to, to stretch on out. Uh, what's interesting is I, I, I see uh, 
the speed horses are on the outside. A horse I always liked was Farrell. Um, early on in uh, her career, I, I, I'm a big fan of Wayne Catalano's. Um, you know, she, she's very fast. Another one loves Churchill Downs. This race will be a main track at the mile and eighth. And uh, is just coming off a uh, second-place finish in the grade one. Now, here's my takeaway on this race is the top three out of the grade three DuPont Distaff on a sloppy Pimlico are in here. And that race was at a mile and an eighth. Then you got the top three out of the grade three Double Dog Dare at Keeneland. That was fast. And that was a mile and a sixteenth. So it's a mixed bag. The, the, so, but the, the two that I have checks on are... I think Blue Prize uh, with Jose Ortiz, this horse is always there. I mean, this horse is like a four-legged ATM machine, and uh, he, he's just always there. He's he's coming out of the the DuPont staff, backed up a little bit. Song of Spring won that race, uh, but I think because of his uh, you know experience at Churchill and at the distance, I like him. But uh, I'm still going to give. Uh, Farrell, who's going to have to go right with the uh, apology not accepted on the outside there. I, I just, uh, he just loves that track. And, you know, coming out of two grade ones, I think is a, gives her a little edge in class. Well, you know, as far as, uh, you know, when I looked at this race, uh, one thing that kind of struck me was Farrell. Uh, she really runs well when she's kind of left to herself on the front end. But, you know, when, it, with any speed horses, if there is another horse that duels or provides company for you, sometimes it's just not as comfortable. And I think there's a couple of horses who might uh, try to escort her early in the race. One would be the uh, horse, the Philly uh, Mayor, uh, Blue Prize that you talked about. Another one might be Awestruck, and even another one might be Apology Not Accepted. Uh, if I was kind of sniffing around this, uh, John, I would be looking for a horse to, to come from the back of the bus, and the horse that I would kind of take a, a serious look at would be that song of spring who came from way, way back at Pimlico yeah. in a slot to get up in the DuPont distaff. But I think Neil Howard and this Philly with Rafi, with uh, Santana is going to get all the pace that they're looking for. And this horse will be running on late. Uh, this horse uh, doesn't win by big margins, but uh, usually wins at a square price and probably will be a square price again uh, to RNA. All right. Well, as usually, I uh, talk too long. My producer's telling me I only got a minute and a half. And, of course, now it's time for the big grade one, uh, Stephen Foster. So I, I'm not going to set the stage here. Uh, Honorable Duty is back. Uh, he's the horse for course. I think the now horse is Backyard Heaven, and the fan favorite will be the one-eyed patch. Yeah, Backyard Haven, uh, definitely, uh, Backyard Heaven is uh, definitely a strong favorite. Um, I thought this horse got just a beautiful ride uh, in the Alley Sheba uh, from uh, Irad Ortiz. The inside of the track was the best part, and he pretty much stuck to the inside. If I was going to take a shot at a horse to try to upset, uh, I think it might be someone like Irish War Cry. Uh, this horse ran very well in the Pimlico Special yes. after a, a terrible race on a Gulfstream uh, in the uh, in the, the Gulfstream Park Mile. But this horse really looked like his old self in the Pimlico special. And as we know, if this horse, uh, you know, was a top three-year-old, ran in the Kentucky Derby, uh, the second in the Belmont. So this horse has a lot of class, grand motion, as good as they get in the training circle. So this is a horse I would look possibly upset Irish war cry. 
All right, you heard it. That's Rich Ng, my producer, saying, John, we got to go. We're running out of time. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Tom Padula. And thanks to everybody that tunes into Winning Ponies. I'm John Englehart. Glad you tuned in. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.